Okay, guys, welcome back to our continued teaching in the book of Genesis. Last time we were here, we were in chapter 27, where we saw as Isaac was getting old and he was basically going blind, he determined that he wanted to give the blessing of the birthright contrary to the will of God to his favorite son, Esau. Again, contrary to the will of God. But nevertheless, Rebecca overheard of this um, desire to bless Esau instead of Jacob. And so Rebecca concocted a plan and she engaged Jacob in deceiving his father that he was actually Esau. And therefore, Jacob received the blessing instead of Esau. Now, one thing we want to remember again is Jacob did not steal the blessing because we know even at the conception, that is, when those boys were in the womb of their mother, Rebekah, God had revealed that the elder son, Esau, would serve the younger son, Jacob. That is, the birthright would be given to Jacob instead of Esau. But again, Isaac was contrary to the will of God, and God overruled Isaac's action in this grand deception. And that's the key that we need to see concerning Jacob is deception. And that play upon his name, deceiver or supplanter, was continually talked about in this particular scenario as Jacob deceived his blind father that he was actually Esau. Nevertheless, but as we continued on through the narrative, we see that Esau responded in that he actually wanted a blessing that is a material part of the blessing. And that time for blessing was no longer available to Esau. But as a matter of fact, the blessing was not available to Esau whatsoever. But nevertheless, he wanted a blessing still. And so in anguish of heart, he pleaded with his father to give him a blessing. And so therefore, Isaac gave him somewhat of a anti-blessing. So instead of the fruit of the land, Esau would receive, that is the blessing from the, the dew of heaven, the fruit of the fatness of the land. Actually, he said to Esau, away from the land. So therefore, his so-called uh, blessing would not be a blessing of bounty, but a blessing of, in a sense, in a kind of a sense of a wandering in a sense, because the land would not provide for him and his people, that is the descendants of Esau, who we know would be the Edomites one day, those descendants would be a contrarian against the descendants of Jacob, who we know would be Israelites. So there would be warring fashions between the two tribal clans. But nevertheless, Esau was angry because of what Jacob had done in the deception, even though Esau had already sold his birthright to Jacob, but nevertheless, he was angry and had planned that at the death of his father, which they all thought was, was to be soon, at the death of his father, he would kill his brother Jacob. Okay, And this set the stage at the very end of chapter 27 because Rebecca overheard of Esau's plan to kill his brother. And so she did not want to lose both sons in a day. And as we talked about that the last time, the losing of both sons in a day, Esau killing Jacob and then Esau himself would be killed in justice. OK, that is, they would bring him before some type of tribal justice clan and they would put him to death for the murder of his brother. So she remembered the fact that Esau had married these uh, Hittite women. I believe her name was Basemeth and Judith. 
Basemeth and Judas, these Hittite women, these were the women who were Canaanite women of the land. And there was always that mindset, do not marry these particular Canaanite women. And the reason for that is to keep to, to keep or maintain the purity of the clan and also not to get intermixed with the gods of the Canaanites, the idol gods of the Canaanites. But nevertheless, she used this as an excuse saying that if Jacob should marry one of those women, that she would really be distraught. But now we also know that this was a disturbing thing with Isaac as well. And so therefore Isaac agreed with Rebecca, not really knowing it doesn't seem to suggest in the text that he knew of Esau's plan to kill Jacob, but he was listening to the voice of Rebecca and he therefore sent his son away. That is, he sent Jacob away to take a wife from the wives of his mother's kinsmen, that is of Laban, who is going to play a key point in the continuation of this narrative. And so that's what we pretty much take up in chapter 28 with this whole issue in Jacob fleeing away from home. And in his fleeing, what we're going to see is this. Now, Jacob, by the whole narrative of everything that we have been seeing, has been acting in a very deceitful manner and a conniving manner, even as he tries to attain the blessing of God. And so what we are going to see as we continue on through these narratives, concentrating on the life of Jacob and also with respect to Laban, how God is going to use him, we are going to see how God is going to transform the life of Jacob, even though, and let me slow it down right here, and I don't want to make this intro too long, even though Jacob is the elect of God, Jacob is still not the man that God wants him to be. What we are about to see is as Jacob leaves from his home in such a uh, it's, it is a fearful manner, in a sense, going to a place that he has never been to people he has no no knowledge of. But nevertheless, even are his family. But he doesn't know what the situation will be like. So it is a fearful situation. But nevertheless, he is the chosen one of God. He is the elect of God. He is the elect of God who is not what God wants him to be. But nevertheless, God will use this situation and it is a lengthy situation. He will use this situation to transform Jacob's life into the man that he desires Jacob to be. One who understands that you cannot acquire the blessings of God through manipulation and through cunning, they are given by the grace of God and by faith in God. And God will work in his life through his uncle Laban to teach him these very valuable lessons. OK, so without any further ado. So Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and from there take a wife, take, take to yourself a wife from the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May He also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and to your descendants with you. 
that you may possess the land of your sojournings, which God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Padan Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Okay, so now we see Isaac now calling Jacob. Verse number one, he calls him and says to him, don't take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And we just hashed through all of that. The idea maintaining purity of the tribe and also not to get tied up with the gods, the idol gods of the Canaanites to keep Israel, even though it's not Israel right now, but their tribal clan pure. And so he sends him away to his brother and to his brother-in-law's house, uh, basically Laban. And then he tells him to go and take a wife from there. What is also interesting too is there is a kind of a shift here. If we recall back when Abraham got ready to take a wife for his son, he sent his servant out. But here there is a shift. Now the son himself is being sent out to take a wife. But we remember that the reason for why he is being sent out is because of Rebecca's. Um, I don't want to keep using the term conniving, but it is a negative sense. But because of her concocting of this issue in trying to save her son's life, trying to save Jacob's life. So he is now being sent out. But again, we will see the providence of God. And this is what we see all throughout, even in chapter 27. Isaac trying to bless his attempt was to bless Esau, but in the end, he blessed Jacob. We see the providence of God, God's hand involved in the situations of men to work his will. Even in the when we don't do the thing that is pleasing to God, God is still able to overall work out all things in according to his divine will. We saw that in the blessing of Esau. I'm sorry. Isaac to Jacob, when he intended to bless Esau, we're now seeing this issue in Rebekah sending her son away, but her son Jacob needs discipline. He needs training and God is going to use this to give Jacob what he needs spiritually as well. Okay. The develop, the development of his faith. But anyway, now we also begin to see him give him the Abrahamic blessing. I don't want to get into a lot of details on this because I talked about it in the very previous video when we saw Isaac bless, bless Jacob the first time. And it seemed that there were certain elements of the Abrahamic covenant that were missing. But now we see the direct expression of the Abrahamic covenant being given to uh, Jacob. That is Isaac knowing that this is his son, Jacob. Isaac submitting that it is Jacob who is the one who has given the blessing. That is, God has already decreed that this blessing be given to Jacob. And we see Isaac now giving him the full fledged blessing of Abraham. And notice again, we see the attachment in that blessing of the land that he will give you the land of your sojourning. And we also see him the mentioning of the seed, not simply just the multiplication of his descendants, but also that particular seed, because that word zera is once again used here. So he says, so we see the injunction of the blessing in verse number three, when he says, may God almighty, and that's in Hebrew, 
El Shaddai. He says El Shaddai, the almighty God. So he invokes the presence of God as he gives him the blessings from God. Okay. All right. And so he sent him away. Finally, verse number five, he sent him away to the house of Laban. Now, this is a journey of some distance. I believe that distance was approximately, I'm, I better not guess, but I think a distance of many days. Let, let me just simply say it that way. A distance of many days. It would therefore take some time. And as we move through this narrative, the scriptures are not going to talk so much about the distance of time, but it's going to light upon certain events at certain places during this going, this journey from where he was in Beersheba all the way to Padan Haran. All right. But nevertheless, let's move on with the text. Now, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Haran to take to himself a wife from there. And that when he blessed him, he charged him saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan displeased his father Isaac. And Esau went to Ishmael and married, besides the wives that he had, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, the sister of Nabaioth. So Esau is watching this whole issue of Isaac blessing, blessing his son, Jacob, and sending him away not to take a wife from the daughters of the Canaanites. And this is exactly what Esau himself had done. Esau had taken two Canaanite Hittite wives. And so he saw that it displeased. So now he wants to please his father. And what does he do? He takes a wife from his father's brother. Now notice there is a distinction in what Esau does. He sins and takes a wife I'm sorry, not sins. He goes and takes a wife of his dad. Remember, Esau and Isaac were close together and Esau wants to please his father. So he goes to his father's brother and takes a wife from the daughters of his father's brother. And so therefore Esau ends up marrying one of his cousins who we call by the name of Mahalaf. All right. But he does all of this in a desire to please his dad, probably in some hope of acquiring a more favored position or some sort of a blessing. The scripture does not go on to say, but it is clear that he does this to get the pleasure to, to the, the sense of pleasing his father. Okay. But nevertheless, what is also interesting to denote here too is how Esau, the, the unelect son, the son who was not chosen, also goes back to Ishmael, who is the son who was not chosen. Remember, Isaac, Isaac and Ishmael are brothers. It was God who rejected Ishmael from being the one whom God had chosen and God had chosen Isaac. And also in this same scenario with Jacob and Esau, it was God who rejected Esau and chose Jacob. So isn't it interesting to see how that Ishmael, the unelected, or I don't want to say rejected, but the unelected son also goes to, I'm sorry, Isaac. <laughs> These names are sometimes confusing. 
Esau, the unelected son, goes to Ishmael, the unelected son, to find a wife to please his father. But anyway, let's move on through the text. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set and he took one of the stones of the place and he put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with his top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So we see Jacob leaving from Beersheba, from the home of his father, on his way to Haran. And he lightens upon, verse number 11 is our key verse, and it uses the term a certain place. Now, if you looked at this in the Hebrew, it would say Bamakom. And I don't want to get into all of the Hebrew that's involved here. It would be nice if we could, but we don't want to talk about that. But it says uh, Vayif Gah Bamakom. And he journeyed uh, to the place and to, and they translate that to the certain place. And then it says, Sham, And so what did he do? He rested there. He began to spend the night there because the sun had set. And so the whole idea is what he's trying to say is this Bamakom. And then he used the term Sham there. And once again, Bamakom Hahu. Now, which literally means in that place there, that place, that place. So there's the emphasis that the scripture is trying to bring to us that this place is not a place that he just simply happens to come upon, but it is showing us the divine providence of how God himself is with Jacob. God himself has led Jacob to that place and he has led Jacob to that place. We know as the text will tell us, where God will reveal himself to Jacob and bring Jacob into that Abrahamic covenant, make the covenant that he made with Abraham and Isaac. He'll now make the covenant with Jacob. And so how does he do this? He has a dream. And on this dream that was where it, it interprets it ladder. The idea is a staircase, a staircase from the earth that reached up to the heaven. And you saw angels ascending, descending uh, upon this and upon this particular staircase, which simply means this is the activity, the activity. It is showing that God is very much involved in whatever is going on. And that's the idea that God is trying to put into the mind of Jacob as well, that he is not simply going. Remember, he is left alone. He is on this journey alone. But God is saying to him, 
You are not alone. I am with you. And the angels of God are around you. Even I almost wanted to say even to protect you, but that is assumed that is assumed in the words that God is saying to him. That, so we see the power of God. We see the servants of God in a sense, in a sense, serving Jacob, protecting him, keeping him on behalf of God. So we see the, what the angelic of God, the activity of God. But anyway, and so God introduces himself and he says, I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of your father, Isaac. And then he gives to him, he makes to him the Abrahamic covenant with respect to the land. But the totality of it, the land as well as the seed. But the land, the land that you lay on. Remember, he's getting ready to leave that land. He promised him a multiplicity of descendants as well as the promised seed himself whom we know to be Christ, the Messiah, through whom the promises will be given to Jacob. The promises will be given even to his people, Israel, even us on this day. But anyway, so he continues on in his promises and says to him, behold, I am with you. So he promises his present and I will keep you wherever you go. And he says, I bring you back unto this land. And that's the primary thing that we know is working in the mind of Jacob. That's his fear. His fear is leaving the land, the home of his mother, home of his father. And who knows what might happen to him along the way and not being able to return back into the promised land. And God satisfies his heart and lets him know of his presence and that Jacob indeed will return back to that land. And God promises not to leave Jacob until he has done everything that he said that he would do. Verse number 16. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, took the stone that he had put under his head, and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. However, it previously, the name of the city had been known as Luz. Now, let me stop here and talk about this issue. So Jacob woke up in the morning. And we see Jacob's response to the dream. It was a response of faith. Jacob believed what God had said in the dream and how God would protect him, keep him and return him back to the land of his father. And so Jacob being amazed or startled at that place, he memorialized not only the event that is that dream that he had, but he memorialized the place. He took a stone, he set the stone up, this is the memorial itself, and he made libations. That is, he poured oil over the stone. Now, by pouring oil over the stone, what well, this was an indication of consecration. So, therefore, the place in which God had revealed himself to Jacob, Jacob was consecrating this place as a holy place, and therefore, he named the place Bethel, house 
of God. The place was formerly known as Luz, but Jacob renamed that place Bethel, house of God, because as in the dream, he said, what? This is nothing more than the gate of heaven itself. So remember in the dream we had with the ladder reaching up unto heaven. And so therefore he said, the gate of heaven is present here in the house of God, the gate of heaven that leads to the house of God. So therefore he made a memorial of that place. And we also know concerning Bethel, this became one of the major religious centers in the history of Israel, where it was once said, where it was, would be later said to go to Bethel, you would begin to see God. He would see God. But let's continue. Let's finish it out. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God would be with me and will keep me on this journey and take, and I take, that I take and will give me food to eat, garments to wear and return to my father's house in safety. Then the Lord will be my God. This stone, which I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Okay. So now we see Jacob's response in faith. And that's basically what God is going to develop in him now. And in his continuing journey, or should I even say his stay with Laban, his uncle, God is developing his faith. So we see a response of his faith. Jacob makes a vow and he basically says, if God will indeed do what he says. Now, what we have to understand here is he is not so much as making a conditional statement. If God does this, then I'll do that. That's an idea. But for the most part, it is a statement of faith. As if to say, since God does this, when God does these things. So his whole point is, if God will indeed keep his promise to me and ultimately bring me back to my father's house in peace. Here's the first statement that we have that Jacob is declaring Yahweh to be his God. God, Yahweh, the Lord will be my God. And he also promises to respond to God's goodness by giving him a tenth. That is when he returns back to the father's house in peace, then at that time, which the text seems to imply, Jacob will give God a tenth of what we call a tithing at that particular point. Now, let me make a notation concerning this because we saw this earlier with it, with his grandfather, Abraham. He gave a tenth to Melchizedek, Genesis chapter 14. And we also now see the tenth being given to Jacob. And one, one thing to understand, this was a one-time deal with Abraham, seemingly to suggest even here so, a one-time deal with Jacob. There's no sense of a continuation of tithing. Okay. And the reason why I bring this out is because some want to use this as a statement of continued tithing in the new Testament of which there is not such a commandment. We are commanded as the Lord prospers us to give. And Paul tells us thing tells us that in second Corinthians, but nevertheless, this seems to, to be a one time deal from both Abraham as well as Jacob. Now we know that under the Mosaic law, they will be commanded to institute a system of tithing. And that is to support the Levitical uh, system, the, the sacrificial system, the tap, the temple 
tabernacle and the Levites. So they will be commanded to do so here. But this cannot necessarily be used in the New Testament. You may use it in a sense of a, a, um, a basis of giving, but not the command of giving. I hope you guys understand that, but I don't have time to deal with that right now. But nevertheless, we see Jacob acting. He is responding to God's goodness. Now, let me round this off and say this concerning Jacob. When we look at the person, the man of Jacob, Jacob is a man who has a lot to be desired of. And that's why we see his name being called, played upon in chapter 27, deceiver, supplanter, or we understand him as the trickster. Jacob, by his own cunning and guile, is trying to attain the blessing of God. But the beautiful thing about God and where I want to personally praise and bless God is in this. Jacob, the man is not fit. Jacob is not fit. There is nothing worthy in Jacob that Jacob should be called of God and blessed of God. But nevertheless, he is still the elect of God. God has chosen him apart from his works. Oh my, wouldn't I love to go into Romans and deal with that right about now, but we cannot. God has still chosen him. And therefore, God, in his own loving grace, has appeared to him and said, you know what, Jacob, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. And I'm going to bring you back into this land. We see this same type of thing, even so in our lives as the people of God. We cannot say, or, or should I even dare say, let me say it this way. We too are like Jacob. So many undesirable things in our lives, often trying to attain God's blessing through the work of our hands. We being completely and totally undeserving of God's goodness and his grace. But nevertheless, as it was in Jacob, we see it even so for us now. God is with us. God has chosen us and God still blesses us. And like Jacob, Jacob, who we will see in further chapters, will be sent to the house of Laban so that he may be sanctified. And sanctified simply means to be changed into an image that God wants. That is to be changed into what we would say today, Christ likeness. Jacob will be transformed through hardships. God also does the same thing for us today. He transforms his elect through difficulties and through discipline. And remember what Paul said, even in the difficulties that we go through, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord to those who are what? The called according to his purposes. So God will continue to work and transform the life of Jacob in the later chapters of Laban. And what we can appreciate is as God worked with him, he works with us. All right, guys, catch you next time.